Today is September 28th, 2023, nearly the end of the fiscal year, and we'll tell you why that's important here in just a moment. Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. I'm Larry Lannon, volunteer, retiree, and a person who's uh, working in as a volunteer in communications with Chapter 49. We certainly are glad you joined us today, and this is our government shutdown possibility uh Uh, podcast today. And I need to just mention something before we get started, because uh, if there is a government shutdown, our chapter president, Duncan Charles, will no longer have access to his email account with the government. That means if you're getting a heads up on uh, when we post these podcasts through those emails, they will not be coming if a government shutdown does happen. So you'll, if that is the case, there are a couple other ways you can find out. Number one, uh, I'm, I'm, this podcast is on a number of platforms like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, uh, Spotify. You can always subscribe to those. Just uh, look for, uh, search for podcasts by Larry Lannon, L-A-N-N-A, and you'll see all my podcasts. I, I produce a number of them, but the Chapter 49 podcast will be clearly labeled there. Or an easier way to do it is just to follow or like our Facebook page. You can find that uh, by searching on Facebook for this phrase, NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana, that exact phrase. Like or, or follow us there. You'll get that on your feed that you receive on your Facebook news feed. So I want to welcome Duncan Giles back to our podcast. He's always with us. Thank you, Duncan. Thanks, Larry. It's always good to be here. And we welcome once again Katis Ibenga, the Legislative and Political Director for NTEU. She's joined us before. Kata, before we, I, I, first thing I want to say to you is I, I want to apologize for the last time you were on the podcast. I mean, I live in Fishers, Indiana, and produce this from my home office, a suburb of Indianapolis, and we had a massive outage of our internet connection. We went 20 minutes, and all of a sudden, poof, it was gone. It was gone for an hour or two, so we couldn't uh, get back up again. So we're hoping, crossing our fingers, there'll be no technical issues. So I apologize for that, but Kata, thank you for uh, joining us once again. I'm happy to be here, and that was... Unfortunately, we couldn't finish our conversation, but it was no problem. <laughs> well, good. Just uh, I hate for that to happen, but sometimes those are out of our control. We are going to talk about the prospects for a government shutdown. You know it's coming. If you watch cable TV news, and we're recording this again in the afternoon of September 28th, September 30th, uh, that's the last day of the fiscal year. But the cable TV news shows out their little countdown numbers now. We're out to so many hours and days before a government shutdown happens. And I have been to, I used to be a legislative coordinator for the chapter, so I've been to several legislative conferences, and I know how hard you work and your staff works to keep track of what's happening on Capitol Hill. Everybody on your staff uh, knows the Hill very well. So just to give people an idea why we are having you on the podcast today, just uh, give us uh, an idea what your staff does day in and day out. Sure, absolutely. So our legislation department actually has kind of three major buckets, three major roles. We have our legislative um, representatives, our lobbyists, who are up on the Hill and talking to members of Congress and their staff day in and day out um, on our on issues that matter to federal employees, to NTU members. Um, and they are, uh, most of them have worked as lobbyists or, or on the Hill for many, many years um, and are really knowledgeable on these topics and have a lot of good contacts on the Hill. They're, they're a really great uh, group of folks. 
Um, we also then, of course, have our grass, grassroots advocacy. That includes things like our legislative conference, but it also includes all these, these grassroots alerts. Many of you probably are seeing right now coming to your personal emails, um, telling you to reach out to your members of Congress and take this action right now. Those actions are pretty much exclusively shutdown related. Um, but that's uh, another side of our thing. In that same bucket, we also set up help chapters set up meetings, helps chapters set up their legislative uh, programs, whether that's legislative coordinators, some have legislative boards. Um, we do different, um, uh, you know, set up, um, you know, uh, site visits for, for chapters who want to bring people into their workplace, members of Congress into their workplace. So we do lots of things in our grassroots advocacy. And then we also, of course, have political advocacy, which I won't get into too much today since we're uh, um, on on work time and, and email and all of that uh, with this. But I do, um, but we do work on all of our election and political work as well through our department. So we have a great team and all together, these things all work a lot together to do all uh, to try to advance the priorities uh, that our members um, want to do and the things that we want to get done for for federal employees on the Hill. So, again, I want you to give you a chance to say this again. We're about to talk about the shutdown. And when National NTE was communicating with the membership it's normally done through personal email. Explain how important that is that the National Union, you can do it easily on ntu.org if, if you have an account there or can set it up if you're a member. How important it is to have a current email address for the members who can get this information directly from NTU at the national level. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of our political, uh, all of our political work and a lot of our grassroots work um, always is coming at you through to you through personal emails. And so it's always important for us to have it. But as we enter into a shutdown period, any of you who lived through previous ones will remember if you are someone who is not accepted and you are sent home on furlough, you will not have access to your work email anymore. And so the only way we can reach you in that situation with information about the shutdown, um, things that you need to know, ways you can engage Congress or do other things like that is through your personal email. We actually have a... um, a web page, you know, we always can update your personal email on the website, but we actually have a shutdown specific web page right now. It has a lot of different resources on it. One of the things you can do there is click on the link to update your personal information. So that's ntu.org backslash shutdown. Uh, and I'm sure I'll mention that site many times as throughout our conversation. Um, but, but there's a lot of resources there, but one of them is a way you can do that right there on the website. And I'll turn the next question over to Duncan Giles. Yeah, and kind of one of the things that I also wanted to make sure that folks knew was, you know, talking about reaching out to their congressperson or their senator, how easy it is on NTU.org going in through the legislative area. Um, you know, I, I did it myself just a couple of days ago and took me all five minutes. So can you explain a little bit about how that works and you know, that folks can have their families do it and things of that nature. Absolutely. So what you'll notice if we send out grassroots alert, we usually have a direct link right to a letter you can send um, if it's about a specific issue. And so that's what you'll see throughout this um, this crisis right now is that that makes it even easier. But you click on that link, the website comes up. If you've used it before, it has your information stored usually. And what that means is it'll automatically know which members of Congress and which senators 
that you need to write to um, your actual representatives. And that will, it, once you do it once and put in your information, you can click a box, it'll save that information. So I encourage you to do that the first time you visit. Um, but you click on it, you don't have to do almost anything. <laughs> we, we write a letter um, that is drafted for you to use if you'd like to just send that. Uh, you don't have to add to it or do anything like that. If you would like to, you may. Mm -hmm. It is editable. Um, and so you are able to add your own personal story if you'd like to. Um, we also, um, we do have, I'll, I'll flag this for, I don't know that it applies to anyone in your area, but I know other folks do listen to your podcast. We have a few members of Congress who have limited the characters on their websites of how short a message has to be to get through. And every once in a while, our letter will be too long for that. If you happen to get a message that says your letter is too long, that's that means your member of Congress has significantly limited the character limit on their uh, messages. And so, um, unfortunately, we can't do anything about how they do that. Um, and I just suggest shortening the letter as much as you have to, uh, get the main points in there and, and send it off that way. Um, so that's sending a letter. Right now, we actually have a call alert on our Action Center as well. We just put it up um, to increase calls to members of Congress. When you click on that one, you'll be given a... Um, uh, the numbers of your representatives. And so you click on the little telephone, it, their number will pop up. You don't call through the, through the um, action center, you use your own phone to call, but it gives you talking points you can use on that call right there on the page when you uh, click on that call center, call action alert. And we don't use them as often, but it's also very easy to use if you're interested in making a call to your member of Congress. They keep track of these and it's really important that they're hearing from their constituents, and this will help it make it as easy as possible for members to do that. So the next obvious question is this. Uh, we are headed toward a budget impasse as we record this on the afternoon of September 28th. All signs point to a government shutdown again. We don't know if it will happen. We don't know if it happens, how long it will be. As best you can explain to people who are not government junkies and people who don't follow this all the time. How did we get here? Sure. Well, I mean, the first the first thing is, usually, I mean, basics is by the end of the fiscal year, Congress is supposed to pass 12 appropriations bills. They are, each House passes theirs, the Senate passes theirs. They're supposed to then reconcile those and pass a final <laughs> agreement by the end of September. Um, Duncan's laughing because <laughs> this does not happen pretty much ever. But that is officially how government funding is supposed to work. Um, generally, because that doesn't happen, we do see a continuing resolution at the end of the fiscal year for whichever ones have not passed. Uh, lately, that's been all or most of them. Um, and that gives Congress more time to get things done. That's, a, that's the normal course of business. This year, um, I'm going to start with actually last time I joined your podcast, we were talking about the debt limit deal. And the debt limit deal earlier this year was kind of actually supposed to help avoid this situation. Um, you may remember that it was to make sure that the government didn't default. Um, and in that deal, they agreed to spending at levels lower than um, what we probably would have liked for our agencies. 
um, also lower than what some members of Congress didn't wanted, but all, but higher than what others wanted. And so it was a compromise. It also, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, rescinded some IRA funding for the IRS, which we were really not pleased with. Um, obviously, it was compromise. That is, you know, we accepted that compromise, but it set the spending levels that the appropriations bills were supposed to be written to. Um Unfortunately, not everyone has stuck to that deal. So that is why we're in the situation we're in. Uh, Senate Republicans and Democrats have been working on appropriations bills that uh, are bipartisan. They are passing them through the committee. They're getting them through the process. um, And they're going to be they're starting to move them on the floor of the Senate. Um, They need a little more time to get it done. But that's not abnormal. Uh, Unfortunately, in the House, all of the bills the majority there have written have significant deeper cuts than we would um, than they agreed to as part of that debt limit deal. And those bills have, they can't even get most of them passed in the House, um, but they, uh, so they don't have agreement among themselves, but they also, once those bills pass the House, were they to pass, they would go to the Senate and they would have no shot at passing because they are the funding levels are so much lower than the um, the agreement that they made in earlier this year. So because of that, it's, it, obviously this process has been extremely difficult. Um, so that's the first part of it. The second part of why we are where we are, where we're talking about a shutdown right away at the beginning of the fiscal year is because, well, usually that continuing resolution in September at the end of September is pretty much widely expected and supported Uh, Right now, um, House Republicans are insisting on incredibly steep funding cuts and some really controversial policy things to be included in that continuing resolution. And um, there's bipartisan opposition to doing that in the Senate. And so that's why we're a few few days away from the deadline, unable to get even a continuing resolution passed. And then we hit midnight Saturday and... They haven't done it yet. That's when we we see a shutdown. Duncan, you get the next question. Okay, first off, that was a wonderfully succinct explanation of how we got here, Kata. Thank you oh. for that because that was that was great. Um, now, now the fun part comes. Where is the solution, and how is the solution? You know, when we, you know, as I often say, I read the tea leaves to try and figure out, you know, where the solution could come from, things of that nature. And, and you know, I've been very happy to see in the Senate, as you said, bipartisan and uh, by a wide bipartisan margin, they've come up with a CR, they're passing bills, they're working together. But in the House, I, I have not yet seen anything that I can see that can be a solution without other dire consequences happening and uh, would like to get your thoughts on that. Sure. Well, of course, I wish I knew, too. And I, I usually, uh, to use your phrase, can read some tea leaves and get a general sense, too. But I mean, wh- while we've seen funding fights before, this one is pretty unprecedented. It's just completely different than what we've seen in the past. Um, so it's really uh, it is really hard to see how it will play out. Uh, normally, when there is a bipartisan budget deal like this, you just it People, you can count on at least like congressional leadership to stick to that deal, the people who made the deal to stick to the deal. And right now we don't even have that. And so, um, you know, if one group is not going 
is kind of off on their own and everyone else is trying to move in one direction, it's pretty hard to see how to get them to pull back if they're going to, if they're going to dig in their heels. And right now they really have. <laughs> um, so there's a few ways this could play out, but I think the bottom line is that Congress can't get out of this situation without uh, Speaker McCarthy putting a bill on the floor of the House that can not only pass the House, but can pass the Senate and be signed into law. I mean, and right now the bills he's putting up uh, don't meet that threshold. So, And my my understanding is that the, the uh, CR that passed the Senate he won't even bring up for a vote in the House. Is that correct? Yeah, it hasn't passed yet. It's, they're still working on it. But yes, he said he would not bring it up for a vote. Or if he did, they would add things to it that they want to do um, so that and then send it back to the Senate where then it wouldn't be able to pass. So so that's one way it could happen is if they just did take that up and let it get through the House. Um, I think that there are certainly some folks on both sides of the aisle in the House that would support that that CR um, that the Senate is working on if they would let it even get to a vote. And that's one of the pieces that's difficult is, um, you know, he the speaker's in a tough spot. He's trying to keep his job. He has some folks on the far right of his party who are basically saying, if you don't do what we say, we're going to kick you out of your job. Um and so he's been really, you know, trying to figure out how do I keep my job and move this forward. And I, I'm not sure there's a way to do that. Um, so the question is, how does he get out of that, that, you know, place he is? I think, you know, it is possible that the, the dynamics will change once we actually enter a shutdown. Um, I think that there we have been up on the Hill talking with some more moderate Republicans, trying to talk to some of the ones who have, have done some things to support federal employees in the past, especially um, to talk to them about like why they're going along with this right now or when can we expect them to support um, uh, not just federal employees, but Americans and making sure that the government is working for them. Uh, and so we've been we've been doing that. Um, and I think they. We, our sense is there could be some additional pressure from that side of the Republican caucus in the House um, once a shutdown really is underway. Um, but you know, if if the uh, other side is saying they're going to um, kick you out of your job if you won't do it, um, it's hard to see how he can go along with with um, the more moderate side of his party. So we're we're going to keep talking to those folks. I think they have a really important role to play. And that's, I, I encourage folks who know they're from some of those districts um, to reach out to them and make sure they're hearing from their constituents and, and that they hear these stories about what um, the impact this has on you and your family, but also on the work that you're not able to do um, if we're shut down. You know, I, I have to tell you one thing that surprises me. I was a former journalist myself. You know, I follow some of these Capitol Hill uh, reporters on Twitter, excuse me, X, and there's one particular reporter that seems to always know what's going on. These caucuses that the parties have in a House and Senate are supposed to be private. I follow Jake Sherman. He's on Punchbowl News. Yeah. I think he helped founded it, or helped found it, and... Uh, 
he will give you blow-by-blow descriptions of what happens in that Republican caucus. He has sources and that are texting him all the time as the meeting is going on in what's supposed to be a private meeting and and explaining all the arguments that are going on and, and, and how people are going back and forth. That's kind of unprecedented. That kind of tells me that um, there's a lot of division amongst some of these political parties. And is that and I think you've already alluded to this. Tell us more about how you think this makes it more complicated to get this whole budget impasse straightened out. Well, I mean, you can see there's a divide. I think there is a divide in the House. It's less clear because, um, I mean, if you've watched the House for a long time, the parties stick together a lot in the House. I mean, they vote as a block often. There are often, there are a few people that will go off on this or that vote. But for the most part, they vote very much together Um we so that's not a surprise that they're doing that, um, but I do think there's more f- more behind the scenes where there's division there. But you can see a, a stark split between Senate Republicans and Senate and the House Republicans because even their leadership. I mean, um, McConnell, Mitch McConnell is the leader in the Senate. He's been pretty vocal about just saying like what the House is doing is not what we agreed to, and we're not going that route. So it's. You know, it's not a it is a. there will be partisan pieces of this fight. There always are. Um, but it's not just a partisan fight this time. We really are seeing, you know, there's a there's a more reasonable um, we want to get things done side to this. And then there's a much there's an unreasonable side that doesn't want to get it done. And and that's, you know, some of the folks that that are being what I would say is unreasonable are are actually saying, well, we don't care if it shuts down. That's OK. Government can shut down. We don't need need these services. People don't need government. Um, they're the same people who would who talk about wanting to fire all the federal employees. And and, you know, there's many things that they're they're saying that they're just not um they're not uh, fans of effective government. And and that is playing out in a very big way right now. And a really a way that's going to impact uh, not just federal employees, but certainly federal employees. Um, and and then also, you know, our economy and, and Americans who rely on a lot of the things that our, our members and, and many other federal employees do. Yeah, effective government. Remember that phrase. That's uh, <laughs> there's some people in some people in Congress, not all by any means, but some people in Congress who seem to feel that way. Duncan, you have the next question. Yeah, one of the things that you know I'm getting asked now almost constantly is, okay, we're going to have a shutdown. How long will it last? Um, you know, there's there's no answer to that question. In when your folks are up talking on the hill. Do some of these moderates that you're talking to have any sense of how long they might let it go before they start really pushing back hard? Or is it just right now anybody's guess? I think right now it's anybody's guess. I mean, I think, um, you know, like I said, this one's a very different kind of fight than we've seen in the past. So it's harder to predict. Uh, We've been talking about the fact that we're likely shutting down for a few months already. Um, this has not been a surprise. So the fact that they've let it get here, we're in the final days and they still don't have agreement is, you know, we've been um, dealing with the same stalemate for a long time. And how do we get out of it? Uh, I think the pressure will build with a shutdown. We saw that during the last shutdown, the long, the last long shutdown, and it was 34 days or 35 days. It was 
very, um, it got harder and harder for them to justify why they were continuing to hold up um, and have the government closed. So I think there will be some of that pressure that will come over time. Unfortunately, um, people will be hurt in the meantime, and that's just not acceptable. Um, So that's the message we're bringing to as many of them as possible um, to try to just remind them that, you know, you're talking about real people here. They're caught in in the middle of a political fight. That's not their fight. This is, you know, what your job is to pass your Congress. You're supposed to pass these things. They're, they just want to do their jobs. Let them do it. And and also let them do it while getting paid, because right. that's the other piece of this, of course, is during a shutdown, whether you're working or not, you cannot be paid. Luckily, after that last long shutdown, we did ha- get legislation passed to ensure back pay. That's great. It doesn't help in the short term when you are not getting your check, um, when your bills are still due and and your your family's hurting because of it. And that's that's where we really have been trying to make sure we're we're hitting that home for as many of them as possible. And I'll tell you, most of them we're talking to, they understand that. Um, so that gives me some hope <laughs> okay. uh, that we might not, you know, have to wait till the real pain starts. Um, but that's I think it's anyone's guess. <laughs> yeah, Duncan and I were talking earlier. He's already talked to the Washington Post and local TV about this. And I've noticed that the national media also and some local media are highlighting what you mentioned, that there are people, particularly on the lower end of the pay scale of federal employment, who are going to be badly hurt. They suffered badly in the 2018-19 shutdown. It lasted, what, 35 days, I think it was. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they don't always have lines of credit that they can use. Maybe they've had some financial setbacks in the past. So uh, I think it's a, it's encouraging as a former journalist to see that these human stories are being told. There is a, a very uh, important drawback to a government shutdown is sure people will miss services, but some of these employees are going to be hurt very badly. Absolutely. And that's something we've been pushing out. Um, I, I mean, I think those stories were a big part of why the pressure built in the last one. And so I don't know, um, you know, folks may have noticed we sent an email yesterday asking people to share some of those stories. We'll be doing more of that as this keeps going, whether, you know, we have media asking us about it. We have members of Congress who want to know what what their constituents are feeling, what they're um, what they're dealing with, their worries. Um, We know a lot of that, but we want to be able to give them the real details of those things and um, and say, you know, we heard from this member who has this problem because of this this shutdown. And um, so, you know, keep an eye out for more on that. I think we that is one of the things on our NTO.org backslash shutdown page is you can click to um, to to fill us in on some of the things that you're worried about and and your story of how this will impact you. But it also, you know, throughout, I think we'll be continuing to to seek that from members. And I and and you'll see it, I think, in the media um, from both our members and members of other organizations um, and other just other federal employees who are all going to be feeling the heat from this. And and, you know, yes, you're right. The lower income will be impacted. But everyone at some point, how many paychecks can you miss? Right. So we we don't want to get to that point. (laughs) No, absolutely correct. I, there's one other part of this that I want to ask about because uh, we're trying to figure out 
you know, who is going to be sent home and who will be working without pay. And there's a lot of confusion about this. I understand it's with almost every agency. Some agencies are doing a better job, but I think most of them are looking to the cabinet level officers or whomever else they're answering to, to figure out, you know, what their instructions are going to give to their employees. I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about Thursday and Saturday is uh, at midnight is the shutdown. There's not a whole lot of time left. So, uh, watch these employees who are just not sure. Uh, I mean, what do you do? You just have to plan for the best. You don't know because if you're not, here's the thing that gets me. And I, it's part of what I'm asking here. It's one thing to be sent home. That's bad enough. But if you're required to work without pay, you still have to pay for your gas, your commute, and some people pay for parking. So there are expenses associated with showing up for work when you're not being paid. So talk about how NTE was working to try to get these agencies to get those instructions out. Yeah, we've been asking all agencies for the last, well, months, frankly, but we knew we wouldn't get them that soon. Um, but but uh, we've been asking them for a long for, for these as soon as we can possibly see them. Um, they all are supposed to have contingency plans for these situations. They all are, have lists of who they will have accepted, which means they'll have to show up to work and who will be furloughed. Um, and so far, we have not seen those from many agencies, um, specifically IRS. We have not seen that yet. Um, I know that we are hopeful to see it very soon. Um, I guess one thing I'd just say, uh, you know, members should keep in mind, they Go to the, you know, go to work until you're told not to. Um, you do get uh, whatever, if you are told you're going to be furloughed uh, the first work day after you're told that, you'll have four hours to um, kind of shut down your work. Um, and, and so you will go in and do that. Um, uh, that's how it usually works, at least. So um, that's what people should expect is they'll hear either come in and, uh, and, out or you're going to be coming in. But you're right that, I mean, these expenses that a lot of people have when they're coming into the office or or whatever their workplace is, um, is going to be a, you know, they're still going to have them and they're not going to have a paycheck to pay for it. I, I think we have a couple of weeks until the first paycheck that we would um, have missed. And I think it may even just be a partial paycheck at first, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, the first one that, that has some pay period that's um, in the new fiscal year uh, will be about a half paycheck, I think. Uh, and then the next one will be a full loss um, of a paycheck. So that's a big deal. Uh, and if you're, you know, paying a lot for, for commuting and gas and all of those things, um, you know, we'll see if um, there are any additional opportunities for telework or things like that to help people with those things. And we'll be talking to agencies about a lot of that stuff. I know that gets well outside my world. Um, of the legislative work, though. so I cannot speak to it, but I'm sure we'll be working with agencies to try to mitigate as much as we can that, those kind of things for folks. So, Duncan, time for one more question. Well, I, I did want to mention the fact that people go, well, why don't I know whether I'm accepted or whether I'm going to be furloughed? And the IRS was under the impression, and I don't know how they got this impression, but they definitely had it, that the funds from the uh, you know, IRA was going to be able to carry them through, so they were going to be fully funded. Apparently, nobody talked to the Office of Management and Budget, and they said, no, those are appropriated funds, so you're not going to be able to use them. So that's why the IRS is behind the eight ball and timing-wise, but it's still no excuse for this being 
Thursday afternoon and employees not knowing what, uh, you know, what they're going to be doing next week if there is indeed a shutdown. And I would hope the executives would not stick their head in the sand and wait until the last minute to do anything on that. Yeah. Uh, that's just my commentary for that. Uh, last question for Kata. What would your suggestion be at this point for employees and their families to do uh, to try and help move this along? Well, I mean, I've mentioned some of it already, but first of all, make sure we have your personal email address. We want to be able to contact you. Check out the website to see the resources we have available there. We will be posting agency contingency plans there, things like that. But also we have a whole list of um, frequently asked questions that could help if you're interested, if you have a certain question. Um, make sure that you're going to the action center, reaching out to your members of Congress, writing them uh, and calling them and keeping them accountable for the job they're supposed to be doing to fund your work. Um, and, and then, you know, as this continues, keep an eye on your email. We are going to be sending out more information, uh, more opportunities to engage. We, I expect we will see in um, many areas of the country, different um chapters and and coming together to do rallies or um, petitions we meetings with members of Congress those kind of things and we'll be put helping to um, helping to coordinate those where we can um, and making sure people are aware of them when they're happening in your area so keep an eye on on what what we're sending out what your chapter is sending out uh, because I think those will be um, some great resources you can use to help help us keep pushing this and help make sure the stories of, of our members and of those really impacted by this are heard by Congress and by all Americans so they understand the real impacts of, of something like this on, on people's lives. So, Katty, you did uh, very specifically explain how people can uh, can petition their lawmakers. Uh, people who are working for the federal government are constituents of Congress Every member of Congress has at least a few thousand federal employees in that district. So they should be listening, at least to some extent, to what those constituents are saying. You know, again, make sure you do this on your own time and equipment. Don't use government time or government equipment, but contact your members of Congress. Kata gave a good example earlier in the podcast of of how you do that. Uh, Any last comment, anything we didn't uh, think to ask, Kata, before we wrap this up? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. We'll uh, um, hopefully, if I'm back again, it will be to talk about how we've gotten something great done and so <laughs> another crisis, uh, <laughs> averting another crisis. Yeah. So what we what we appreciate on our end the fact that you have taken time out of a, a very busy schedule at a time like this uh, to update uh, the people who uh, watch and listen to this podcast. So. Katasai Benga, thank you so much. Duncan Giles, thank you as well. This is the Chapter 49 podcast, and uh, we try to keep it weekly. And if there's a government shutdown, we may be weekly or more than weekly. It depends on what uh, news is happening. So, Kata, thank you for joining us, and thank you for watching and listening. Please be safe and be kind. Be kind.